Welcome back to the Transcending Tuesday podcast. I am your host, Brian, and with me are... Joseph. Brennan. Chase. Yep, another same old, same old co-host. Almost said K-host there. Talking about (laughs) K-pop earlier, so that kind of was still stuck in my head. Um, But today's topic is one to go down in the books. This one is going to be a crazy topic. It is talking about life after death or what happens after death. And I'm going to have Brennan take us away here at the beginning here. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways you could get into this topic. And the, the angle that I wanted to come from was looking at empirical data um, and just looking at what studies have been done on this topic in general. And I found something really interesting. Um, there's actually two major studies that were done recently, one in 2014 and one in 2023. Um, oh, this year? Same, yeah, wow. by, so, and one this year, yeah, basically in July. Uh, of this year. It's um, done by the same group um, of people. Uh, I'm trying to find a description here of the guy. The guy, he's from, I believe, the University of New York or something like that. Uh, he's a assistant professor of critical care medicine and the director of resuscitation research at the State University of New York at Stony Brook. And he's the lead author of both of these studies, essentially. Well, um, they're both uh, peer-reviewed studies in the Medical Journal of Resuscitation. So this it's is like, a pretty it, big deal. It's exactly mm. a decade apart. 2013. Wait, did you say 13 or 14? Uh, 2013, 2014. Okay. There. It's so like yeah, a it's decade. About it's about a apart. decade apart. Um, okay. The actual names of the studies are awareness during resuscitation. Of, so the first study was awareness during resuscitation, a perspective study. And then the second one was basically just like a continuation of that um, yeah. using some different tests. But... Um, essentially the core of these studies was, um, they basically did tests and conducted interviews with people who experienced, uh, cardiac arrest in about 15 to 25 different hospitals that were participating in like three or four different countries. Um, these were the United States, the UK, Australia, and I think one other uh, nation was involved. Um, but getting right into some of like the really interesting results, um, specifically within, the very first, um, the first study that was done way back in 2014, I think, had way more interesting results than the, the second one. But um, mainly because one of the people that were within the first study um, had a basically like a, a confirmed visual and audio experience. So this was someone who experienced cardiac arrest and. Um, generally when you experience cardiac arrest, you lose consciousness within about two to 20 seconds or 20 to 30 seconds, something like that as oxygen and blood get cut off from your brain. Um, and Joseph, you can, if, if I say anything wrong, just feel free to correct no, me. No, no, that sounds all right to me. My understanding of that. And, um, that sounds about accurate. Yeah. So there's, there's I'm, I'll read a quote specifically from the mm. director of the study. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's 2% of the, uh, people who were interviewed in the first study who experienced something called an OBE, which is an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. With exp- and they, but they were, spe- they were interesting with their testimony because they experienced um, explicit recall of seeing and hearing events. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read wow. this quote real quick. Um, he says that this is significant since it has often been assumed that experiences in relation to death are like hallucinations or illusions occurring either before the heart stops or after the heart has been successfully restarted but not an experience corresponding with, in quotes, real events when the heart isn't beating. In this case, consciousness and awareness appeared to occur during a three-minute period when there was no heartbeat. 
This is paradoxical. Three the, minutes. Yeah. So a, wow. Yeah, three minute period. And this is paradoxical since the brain simply ceases to function within 20 to 30 seconds of the heart stopping and does not resume again until the heart has been restarted. Furthermore, the detailed recollections of visual awareness in this case were consistent with verified events. So essentially what he's saying was, um, I believe in more detail, um, they were doing tests with headphones on these people as well. Um, when they did experience cardiac arrest and they're playing audio cues. And the reason why they were able to judge this period of three minutes was because after they were inter they interviewed them afterwards, they um, were telling the people who were interviewing them that they noticed these in their out-of-body experiences and they were able to verify the timing in real life. Same thing with visual hmm. experience. So they, just, they visually described what was happening to them um, from an out-of-body experience angle, wow. and they were then able to verify those in real life. Um, and this was actually what sparked them to do the second study, because after that, um, the conclusions of the study were essentially like, there is a lot of interesting work that can be done here. There's a lot of research that could be done. Um, now that there was actually a successful study that was able to produce results. Um, so yeah, they, they decided to do the second study um, which didn't quite have as much relating to the out-of-body experiences, but was more related to um, what kind of brain activity was um, going on while these events were happening. And like, um, I believe in the second study, there was some findings regarding there was some brain activity that simulated something similar to consciousness somewhere like 30 to 35 minutes during CPR wow. um, while they were trying to resuscitate this person. Hmm. Um, which is very interesting. Um, but there's just, oh, there's a lot going on here. Um, I'm curious what you guys think about out-of-body experiences. It's, it, it seems like I was doing a lot of research on this also, and it seemed like there was a common theme. In, I think it was about 10 to 20% of the people who experienced cardiac, or who were interviewed after cardiac arrest and were actually able to talk about their experience experienced some form of an out-of-body experience, this transcendent experience. And they're all very similar. Um, it's, I think right here it says, um, we're able to show very clearly that the recorded experience of death, a sense of separation from your body, a review of your life, then going to a place that feels like home, and then a recognition that you need to come back was very consistent with people all across the world who experienced wow. this specific experience when they've had these near-death experiences and they claim to have an out-of-body experience. It's all very similar in the way that it plays out for the majority. Um, there are some cases where sometimes they experience like intense fear in the, or like they have a, an experience of just like emotion but nothing visual. Um, so it seems like it, it can depend on different circumstances, but I thought those were very interesting and um, just would love to hear kind of like your guys' thoughts on all that stuff. So, Wow. Um, yeah. I was going to say I'm going to back it up a little bit to what you had said earlier, but I completely just mind blanked there on what I was going to say. But the out-of-body experience itself, like I think about it, I mean, I remember hearing, and I don't know if this is true, so don't quote me on this, but I remember hearing a few years ago that um, – <clears throat> There was even a not even it wasn't a study really it just had happened so it could be completely just lore and legend, but over in France when they used a what is it called a, uh, slicing off the head guillotine guillotine <laughs> uh, a guillotine that 
when the the Queen of England at the time was going through these like the phases of like taking these prisoners or whatever it was and they cut off their heads um uh they'd fall in a basket right and then the person who would who would be the person who pulls the lever for the machine would pick up the head and show everybody in the crowd that's just what they did back then mm. that was you know that was the whole lure of of um public execution at the time what a job then, right <laughs> what a job um and apparently it was written down in documents and i don't know if we can even find them to these day this day but but where one of the times when somebody had picked up the head of a decapitated person that he was like blink for me and he did and like he was there for like seven seconds or so oh i've heard the story do you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about i don't so, know any more details what? but so it's, I, I it's, can an, second that. it's, an, it's an actual thing so it's like an actual thing that i like i guess i'm not the only which actually makes me a little bit happy i'm not the only one that's <laughs> I heard heard, that at some has, point. has heard that I, but yeah. i've like heard it at some point i don't remember exactly when I guess that, that, that happened that, right? mm. yeah. because for a lot, for a little bit at least, you'll have still some oxygen in your brain. Right. Flow in your brain for right. like a little bit. It's I mean, it like should, that two to twenty seconds. But That's like right. Short, probably a couple seconds. I think like the average is something like six seconds, or like that right. before you like completely lose consciousness. And apparently, I've also heard. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I don't exactly remember you touching on it, but maybe you did. Um, the whole idea of reliving your life. Right, like as you're right. dead. That's oh, one of the yeah. common experiences. That like, people have like a like a movie, really. Whatever this weird experience that's claimed to have that's different from a hallucination, or because like right, technically uh, the the brain activity is different from those experiences. So that's why they know it's different. Right. Um. And in that experience, like, there's those common themes of you have a, a separation. Uh, uh, almost like a seemingly like you're looking down on yourself wow and you can like see what's happening around you and then there's a feeling of maybe like going up and a lot of people see like usually like a light or they see people that they or i, I remember hearing about some stories of people going up and then they, there's like a crowd of people that they feels like they know them but they can't make out their faces mm. and so there's like some kind of draw so there's alert. like there's all sorts of like yeah kind of just there's, but there seems to be a, like a common thread of like you leave a body, you experience something where you feel like you don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. So like every time it's like a feeling of like euphoria almost. Where wow. It's like, yeah. Like it, so it's like it's crazy. Like you could be dead, look at your dead self, see like your family, and like not want to go back. Like yeah. That must be a strong pull. I've I've seen a video of someone who talked about what it was like to die. And they said they had to go to therapy for a while when they were brought back. I think it was in a surgery. Yeah. And they said it was so hard coming back alive. And it just mm. blown my mind. Yeah. I was yeah. like, wow, okay. Death is actually a peaceful thing. And it's a fun recap that happens over your life. Like the life flashing before your eyes. Right. I heard that's like genuinely right. true. Whereas yeah, like, right. People who kind of levitate out of their bodies um, and kind of project out of their bodies. I've heard mixed reviews on that. I've heard like, you know, a study's done where someone will write something down with something someone's conscious yeah. and they just see a blank sheet of paper. But I've also heard um, people being able to actually see like someone holding up uh, a certain amount of fingers. Yeah. Um, that they wouldn't. No, if yeah, they were yeah. in, the, yeah. in the second study, they did uh, audio tests and a visual test. 
pass. Interesting. So if when they if they ever did have that out of body, I think nobody was able to pass the the, the visual test. So like they had some sort of sign or some sort of picture, and they wanted them if they were to project or whatever. On the new study, there was no one who was able to detect the visual, but there was one person who was able to identify the audio. Well, the even well, even out of body experiences without the death part. I mean, I, I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, and, and I can actually. Near death experiences are very different from just out like of body. body you actually die and what people see before they actually like permanently go. Right. It's a little different. Right. I knew a guy uh, when I first got out of college and uh, started working for the first ambulance company I worked for. I worked with a guy, um, we'll keep his name anonymous, but he. Um, had a habit. He was like, a, what do you call those? Free divers. Like he he could yeah, he could dive. Yeah, 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 he could yeah. dive like 200 meters underwater, yeah. to my understanding, without any gear on. Wow. And he, he had conditioned himself to do it, and so he would he would go from Pensacola, Florida, somewhere out three hours east to wherever the, these like aquifers were. Right. Um, and there were like these isolated, crystal clear like depths wow. that you could dive into, and they weren't like out in the ocean; yeah. they were isolated. Okay, and he yeah. had a habit of, he'd take a couple of his friends and he would dive and he would practice every time he went there trying to get deeper and deeper. But in the course of doing that over the course of, I think, like five to eight years, there were two instances where he was basically seconds from inhaling water oh. before getting back to the surface. Oh. And he said both of those times he experienced something that was very akin to... Um, feeling like he was leaving his body and it was extraordinarily euphoric. He said it was the best thing he's ever experienced each time to a point to where sometimes he feels the temptation to try to recreate the experience when he dives. Whoa. And that was very interesting to Whoa. hear because in my mind, it's like, okay, maybe that sounds fun, but like Dude is you're like, towing with death every time you yeah, do that. He's yeah. like hooked on death. He hooked on death essentially. Whoa. And yeah. So it was it was interesting to hear that firsthand and go, wow, this guy's basically put himself on the brink twice. Yeah. The second time almost intentionally. <laughs> yeah. What do you think happens after we die, Joseph? Well, that's like it's deep. Do you want to... <laughs> that's a, it's a it's a loaded question. Yeah. It really is. Short answer. Yeah. I'm probably the least certain out of the four of us. My best shot in the dark is that your consciousness is a confined part of you. In fact, I, I believe it is you. And I believe for one reason or another, it's found itself in this physical form. I do make the assumption that it's kind of like, um, um, was it the third law of thermodynamics? Matter oh, cannot be created nor destroyed, but merely yeah. change form. Right. I assume that principle also extends to the soul. Uh -huh. And so whatever I do believe, it's that mm. it retains some kind of... Either you retain yourself or that you essentially become reshuffled, but still exist yeah. in some form. Well, okay. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. From a mathematical probability perspective, too, mm. you could look at it like, okay... Let's assume that time has always existed, because I think that's the most logically conclusive mm -hmm. idea. If there was a time before you existed, and you exist now, and there will be a time in which you don't exist, 
you can at least with that many data points logically conclude that with enough time you will reappear at some points. It's right. the only trend we've ever seen. That may not be the case, but I don't see why we wouldn't either continue to exist in this form or another. That goes into the probability factor. I mean, we talked does. about that where it's like after a certain amount of time, it could be millions, billions, trillions of years, things will happen that are very, very rare, but it took all that time to get up to that point. For right. example, we had used the example of why not throw some clothes in the dryer and like after a billion years, they're going to come out folded. They would at some point. At yeah. some point, they would come oh, out folded. Yeah, 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 you know, right. that probability is there. It, it's not zero. It's You right. can't look at that and say, oh, that's never going to happen. It, it very would. much could happen. It would. It would happen with 100% certainty in that in the amount of time, millions, trillions, billions of years. Yeah. yeah. You know, it would happen. Right. But it would eventually happen. And that's you know? even on the presumption that there's no divine. Yeah. Right. creature thing looking from above looking down and going hmm, i'm going to do something with this consciousness right. that's yeah. even without that that's like another law of thermodynamics you know having that uh outward force yeah interact with the inner yeah yeah in order to actually create something um what about you brian what do you think about well what happens after you die? well before i uh i get into what i believe i want to just talk about kind of like the whole reincarnation thing and I, I mean, you said something about shuffling into a different form. Sure. Um, it's not necessarily not, a believe yeah, happens. Not, but not a believe, but like it's a it presumptuous that consistent. that that's in a way, shape, or form a type of reincarnation. Really, sure. In a sense. You could presume. It's, it's the foundation and, on which reincarnation right, is built. Right. But also a couple um, other ideas. Right. Exactly. I mean, using the probability mm -hmm. factor and stuff like that. But right. just taking out that little portion of reincarnation. Um just kind of dive into that and what like reincarnation is um it's basically a belief that uh your your soul is eternal um and that it will be reborn multiple times in different physical forms whether that be uh plants animals um uh whatever um but it is you come back as one of those things uh with the with the with the charging po point of your karma which, I mean, I hope we all would know what karma is in a, <laughs> yeah. in a sense. Um, right. um, but if not, it's just basically the accumulation of somebody's actions uh, is what exactly will determine what form the soul will take on. Good karma, right, like, right, right. So if you're a, if you're a good karma. person and you live a good life, then you'll be reincarnated into a human being. If you're re if you're if you're kind of good. And like whatever, then you then maybe you're like then maybe um. you're a chicken. You know what I'm saying? So that's <laughs> kind of like, like a freaking like like a like a literal like a grass. Up in a KFC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> literally, you're so done. But so like, yeah, because in reincarnation, it's interesting to think of like you like can you be reincarnated as like in that theory, like you're reincarnated as something that's not a human. Like, what is your experience if your soul is in something that's not that doesn't have a mind? Just simplified yeah like, simple but it, or but that could be argued because what if you do have a mind you just don't have action yeah joseph has an interesting idea about like animals with like, consciousness yeah i've looked at it in the last couple of years as though like people will ask the question like are animals conscious are animals like are they alive do they have a soul yeah. And I don't know if this is accurate. Maybe it's on a sliding scale. My best guess is that 
it's as though animals are watching a movie and we are playing a game in the sense that they are conscious to the experience. They're there to watch it, yeah. but they don't have enough um, neural activity going on to essentially make their own choices in a yeah. educated manner, whereas a human being mm. picks and chooses his okay. actions every day, which gives it moral weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is something I agree with, but I also will disagree on that part as well. What do you think? Um, so I literally just saw something today. I... I didn't save it, um, but it was this dog who literally can talk. Not like talk as in like its mouth, but it's got oh, these buttons. The buttons. The buttons, yeah. and it presses yeah. the buttons, and it said multiple times over to the owner, why dog? Or dog why? Yeah. Basically asking, why is it a dog? Like yeah. it wants to be a human. Like it, it, it is understanding our language. It knows. And so that gives us like the idea that these creatures, yes, they definitely have a conscious, but what makes humans human is obviously not just, you know, the shape of us as people, but like our brain, yeah. right? right? Our brain has the one step up over um, everything else in the world. And I mean, you can take that even to a biblical standpoint. It says that in the Bible back in Genesis, it says um, God gave man dominion over every creature. So that means we have the knowledge and we have the understanding. We have the choices we can make. You know, all that stuff yeah. over everything else. But you take other animals as well. And if, I mean, if you work on them over time, like this dog or like a raven or a parrot, things that can think, things that can actually mock what you do to mm. the point of where it's like, huh, that could definitely mm. be... It replaces the question of like, do they know what they're doing, or they? Well, they like, definitely have or to. Is it like they're pressing the buttons and like they're like getting like some form of like a reaction? Yeah, they're developing like a pattern recognition system. Form of like a Pavlonian, like I don't even know, like reward thing. Wow, like, that, that could they be true. Press yeah. These yeah. Buttons, yeah, you then they get a see that. Like I don't know entirely what plays into that. That that could be so true. I didn't even think about that. See that, and also I have a hard time trusting what's on the internet nowadays. Mm. Like it could just be the lady like cutting in and cutting out when the dog is like yeah certain buttons, or it has actually trained the dog to, to do such buttons. things. And perhaps that's just my own like mistrust in people. But no, no, that's <laughs> I feel like that's that's yeah. an underrated. That's pretty fair. The cloud chasing culture is real. Right. Yeah. Right. To uh, give some credit to that though, Brian, like, I, I guess that's why I inserted when I was making the analogy that it might be more of a sliding scale in the sense that I think you could also entertain the notion that when, when we look at the brain of a reptile, it has what we would equivalate to like just our brainstem, basic mm. fear, hunger, and like breeding uh, functions. And those are the, that's the capacity of what it feels to our knowledge. Whereas oh, yeah. once you get to the mammal, the dog, the cow, um, like things like dolphins, elephants, and whatnot, they have emotional processing centers the same way we do, and we think that they feel as deeply as we do, but they don't have the prefrontal cortex and like later okay. developing features that allow yeah. us to make nuanced, informed, and delayed decisions. So, okay. like, maybe it's there's a giant sliding scale going on where, like, maybe we could look at a monkey and go, maybe there's a little bit of moral weight to what it chooses to do right maybe it's almost there so like it's like this this scale where humans are always in front right clearly like, humans clearly humans are just winning the race obviously right. that's just everybody knowledge there's obviously. a couple things but that like come impressively some things close, that could like but... be close and go back and like kind of just again with time I right think it's just one of those things uh, makes yeah. total sense yeah totally um but yeah 
Um, I will say the octopus is an interesting deep dive for any of y'all who are curious to explore that further. They are remarkably good at mimicking some of our behavior. Yeah. We'll, oh. Scary way. Yeah. Scary type of them. I just want to one last comment before we maybe move on. But, yeah. Um, just tying quick back to one of the study where we talked about the guy who experienced a, a three minute period of, of a conscious experience, seemingly a three minute period. I'm, I'm going to be somewhat hesitant because it's kind of one data point in the study. Sure. Um, it seems to be some form of a, a positive evidence for what I'm about to say, but just wanted to throw that disclaimer out there. Where it was like, kind of going off of what you were talking about, this idea of like a, a consciousness or like a, like maybe like the mind, right? This sort of separate kind of entity that's you, that's beyond maybe something that's biochemical. Like this might be some form of maybe might be a little, and it might be kind of maybe maybe, but mm-hmm. could be some positive evidence of of. Um, this concept of, of a mind of the mind right of the of the, the mind self, beyond be, the body the self beyond the body yeah right if you can oh, have yeah. if there's a if the possibility of having some form of a, a conscious visual auditory experience that's happening while your brain doesn't have any activity recorded right yeah. seemingly that's phenomenological right? <laughs> it, yeah definitely uh an edge case mm-hmm. but if no. it's within the realm of possibility, it definitely deserves, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's maybe more research that will go into this and we'll maybe see some more experience like this. But it's so hard because, you know, only like 10% of people actually survive cardiac arrest. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then of that 10%, only half of them will interview. Oh. And then of that percent, only like probably like 0.3% of those people experience an out-of-body experience or even like like, know to remember right have the ability to remember outside of like things like the anesthesia from different things or like weird medications or like different things in the experience that just inhibit their ability to remember right it's very hard to study it yeah i'm glad you brought that up because cardiac arrest and like the death and resuscitation aspect that's something i've I've definitely seen a good bit of times and it from it's weird because it really is the tie-in between like where science and like kind of the unknown collide. Yeah, science and like the mysterious, right. the, the mystical kind of meat. It's like the yeah, world, it even feels surreal in the moment. I've done CPR on I think one of Tally to be eleven individuals. Two of them came back. Wow. Wow. Um, wow really? Yeah. So like yeah, like you were saying, the survival rate tends to be about ten percent. Eighteen yeah. percent under ideal conditions, mm-hmm. in which an okay. AED and like first responders show up within five minutes. Yeah, but it's low. But like some of the, it's confusing because how could someone perceive mm-hmm. an auditory signal of any kind or remember anything if there is no blood flow to the brain? So then you kind of right. get into the nuance of like. If you're doing proper CPR and you're getting systolic blood pressure high enough during the process, there still mm-hmm. is enough blood flow for minor brain functions yeah, to continue to right, occur. Right. So you're kind of getting into like kind of like a pulse, the pulse. Yeah, you, you're, you're right. functioning as a pulse for them in a certain aspect, but it, it's still interesting that you would see such a consistency of experience under a brain that is deprived of nutrition. Yeah, mm. and even when the brain right, comes yeah. back to its fullest. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think some minor mm. details of it was, yeah, they, there was three different beeps or something that were played during this period. And there also was the person who experienced it was able to pick out some of the, the words. So, like, there was, like, a mention of kidneys, something about the kidneys that he brought up. Mm. He said that he heard about um, okay. something about, like, some kidney failure thing that was also happening, I think, during this um, period or whatever. So, like, 
um, and then being able to like visually see some of the stuff that was going on. So like it, it's it's Bits definitely very interesting, um, a weird edge case thing, but you know, right, could be a doorway to something, right? Some form of experience, right? Certainly, who knows? It could be could be biochemical, could be. Soul level. Transcendent. Soul, soul level. Yeah. Which is where I get into, back to Chase's question, asking me what I believe in what happens after death. Um, I believe that we go to heaven. I believe that our souls detach from our body in a transcending way. Um, and we just transcend all the way to heaven. <laughs> um, but I, I believe that because, um, I mean, I'm a Christian. I've, I've said that before on the podcast. Um, so with those beliefs and standings, um, I mean, and there's also been stories, um, in the Christian standpoint as well as people going and dying basically, um, and seeing heaven or hell and coming back because, um, God had let them come back and, and just kind of like share that. Um, could that be real? Could that be fake? I guess it's up to your own speculation. You know, like, I guess it depends on what you believe. Um, but for yeah, me personally, I do believe that we go to heaven. I think there is, um, something greater than this world. And that could be, um, you know, the ultimate utopia in a sense is what heaven is. But I also believe that there will be a new creation of a new heaven and a new earth when this one passes. Um, so I don't think heaven is the end destination. Um, I mean, you can dive that into biblical standpoints as well. Um, heaven is just kind of like a standing point for us until basically this world dies and God creates a new one for us where it's going to be perfect in every single way imaginable. Um, uh, and so that, that's, that's kind of where I stand. In that, um, are your beliefs yeah. pretty consistent with that, Brendan? Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just start maybe I'll just start this thinking process and then we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, I consider myself a Christian. I guess for what the immediate experience would be afterwards, I really have no idea. I mean, like, but like if you like on the biblical account of what was seen, you know, what was like revealed to John or the biblical writers, and um. Like there was a vision of heaven, but it's it, it's really only, you know, in sort of maybe in symbolic uh, visuals and like something kind of specific for uh, people in that time to kind of understand and visualize. So I don't know how much weight to put on the actual visuals in like uh, a, a letter like a Revelation um, mm. in Scripture. Um, yeah, but I definitely think that there is some form of, of transcendent reality. Um, I, I just personally think that there's a lot of order in the universe that we live in that seems very difficult to, I, I, I guess in my head, I, I find it difficult to square, um, especially when, when people start talking about like multiverse theory and things like that. Like <laughs> Which is trying, actually a topic I to want to like talk about. At real straws in terms of you're trying to create other realities to formulate the reality that we currently live in. And it like seems, I don't know, really like, uh, um, I don't know, really like. I guess grasping for straws might be the, just the, the word that I think of. Um, I, don't, I don't think there's a ton of evidence for that. I think there's a lot of quantum models that don't necessarily have to um, follow the multiverse theory. Um, but 
I think that there is some form of a transcendent experience as far as what the immediate experience afterwards is. I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, I, I do take what was revealed in Revelation sort of at face value in, in, in terms of the overarching theme of um, at some point, scripturally, I believe it'll be a bodily a resurrection where we're going to die. Our bodies are going to rot. Like, like there's people who have rotting bodies right now. Right. But the idea of having a brand new body, right? This idea of a restored self. Um, you know, I believe in the historical, res like the resurrection of Jesus. So right. I believe that bodily resurrections are possible, possible because I have a presupposition of God. Right. right. So I presuppose the existence of a creator. Thus, miracles are possible. Thus, um, from there, you can get things like bodily resurrections um, and other miracles. Um, and I think that like brain was saying that there would be some form of a, a fusion of heaven and earth when I guess the evil in the world is eventually dealt with and um, God can actually enter creation and, and, and his whole his whole self could enter creation and right. um, because before because of his nature he's not technically allowed to because he can't be anywhere near evil Um just by his nature. So I think that eventually there'll be some form of a, I think we'll die. I'm not exactly sure what the skinner period will be like. Maybe it's, maybe it's what the Roman Catholics are saying. And it's like this purgatory. <laughs> and the purgatory and like the middle ground of what it could be. Or right? you get, maybe you get instantly purified and you go and you just like, a, I know there'll be some form of a judgment. I mean, who knows what that would be like, but like, um, in terms of like how all the steps will look, I have no clue, but I know the end destination will be some form of a, a communion with the, uh, the one who created us. Um, right. That's, that's my and again, and again, that's, that be... and again, like, sorry to interject, but like, again, that's, that's not, we're, we're, we say that with utmost certainty because that's what we believe. Again, people have your own, you know, beliefs and, and ideas and, and that, um, as much certainty as I can have. Right. Something that's, like that. that's, yeah. I, and I, I am second so. that. I, as much certainty as I can have in something, that's that's where I lay my certainty in. Um, but we haven't heard from you, Chase. What do you feel like happens after we die? Hi, everybody. He's the, he's the, he's the gentle <laughs> the voice. The sweet, smooth voice of Chase Peters. Welcome <laughs> to the Chase Hour. All right. <laughs> Buckle up. Um, so... You know, I'm kind of in a really weird position where I don't know. There's so many theories out there that I feel like have just kind of been tossed around my way. I found a lot of fascination in a lot of these mm. theories. Um, and I think in a sense, I can conclude that we are just like these insanely massive machines. Insanely massive that are all powered by a bunch of little guys. They're all doing their job. Like, I don't know, maybe like billions and billions of little guys. Each individual is just a massive machine that is coordinated by a bunch of little guys. <laughs> and those little guys are in other things too, in plants, in animals. And those little guys, when their entire machine dies, they get absorbed into the earth and created into something else. It's just this constant cycle of death and creation. And so right now our bodies are just this amalgamation of past lives and um, past 
different animals, different plants, which starts to make me think, all right, that reincarnation idea has some... Some elements of that. Some interesting weight to it, because that kind of makes sense. We are just this amalgamation of past people, the earth, everything around us that lives and breathes. And so while I do believe that we have some sort of soul... um, I think, I guess I could say my recent um, attraction in terms of like what makes me at peace in terms of beliefs is um, we all have some sort of power within us, call it a soul, and that soul has abilities. Um, For me, I've found that there's, I have an ability of like intuition. I can feel things that I feel like I shouldn't be able to feel. I can relate to people with mm. problems that I've never experienced. Mm. Not necessarily relate. Empathize. I can empathize with people. Um, and mm. it's really interesting. And so it makes me think, oh, <laughs> what if those are like past lives that you've lived that have had similar issues and that's why you can empathize? What if that's what we take onto the next life mm. to slowly build towards a goal and that's where the buddhism idea of enlightenment kind of strikes me curious (laughs) um where you basically are caught in a cycle of reincarnation until you've reached enlightenment which is this letting go of an egotistical self and this gaining of this unconditional love and that theme is in a lot of other religions out there christianity Mm -hmm. it's in um islam and right so it makes me think okay if that is the core of everything these major religions Mm -hmm. then it's like the golden rule yeah yeah it was yourself or treat others as you would want to be treated yeah because it just kind of leads it's like a seemingly common characteristic across all cultures. But exactly. but what if it? I mean, in the, in that sense, it's a it's a it's a seemingly rule above all worlds that yeah. you live or lives that you live in. That's why it's like the golden rule. Everybody knows it. Not right. not anybody in this world would probably not know that. Right. Like, everyone gets to meet. I mean, it says in the Bible that everyone gets to meet Jesus. What was Jesus? Jesus was love. Everyone gets to meet love. Everyone right. knows love. Everyone understands how to love. Right. And now it's a choice. And so then it kind of formulates in my mind of what happens when we die. Well, I'm not sure. I do think that we have a goal of reaching a loving state in order to mm. reach well, some paradise. I've heard a lot of yeah. existential dread theories that make me think, oh, maybe we're just a brain floating in the mist. <laughs> uh, botsman mind. Uh, yes. I, I believe that's what it's called. He's got what he's got it or now. Botsman brain. Got it, got it now. I, I read that a month ago and I was like, it's really fascinating and kind of terrifying. Yes, yeah. it's, it's very scary. Or like so, simulation theory. Or just a simulation. Like oh that. my gosh, we could keep Unless going. Is this a simulation theory? One of my favorite theories of all time, he's talking to Brian about this a little bit, is the (laughs) egg. Um, Oh, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's bring it to the attention. Do we all know what that is? No, for those of you who do not know, I actually do not know what this theory is about. I am so curious. Okay, so basically it's this concept that 
all of human existence holds one consciousness and you're just constantly reincarnated as the next human. And so when you are reincarnated as the next human, um, it could be at any point in time. You could be die today and be born in the past or the way future, but your consciousness carries through through every single human being. So all three of you guys are me. We're all but the at same a different person. time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What? And yeah. Until mm-hmm. we've experienced every single possible thing a human being can experience. And then we hatch from our egg this divine being along with all of our other divine beings that have been watching over us. This is basically our way of learning how to function on a higher plane. But are you one person or one soul or one being like you're you can only be one being, right? Yeah. You, you can't be a multiple beings. Yeah. Well, so it's basically wait, wait, no, no, you go ahead. What's the idea that like you're all of these beings are you at varying points in the sense that you're bouncing back and forth through the space-time continuum. And so then like, once you reach the end, you have the memories of all of them in the sense oh. that you are one composite. Is it, so is it like if being. I die, let's say I go into – if I die, I go into somebody's body from the past, right? And yeah. they would go to mine. No, 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 you're just you warping through all these different cars. Oh, you're on a giant interstate okay. of vehicles. Oh, and yeah. You're just Hopping out of one car, hopping in another, hopping out of one car. Until so it's just kind of, okay, okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that analogy. That, that's, yeah. Yeah, the you, imagery you, is there. Okay. You got to sit in every chair until you've gotten to your destination. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. There's, there's just so many wow. fun theories like that out there that makes me think there's no way there's nothing that happens when you die. However, I do think people that believe in that, that's a very brave belief. Yeah, it is. Like, holy yeah. cow, I can't get myself to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, there, I just second what you say. Honestly, like to have the belief that nothing happens and that just everything's gone. Like honestly, I can't really. You can't really wrap your head around that. Yeah. Like you can't Mm. think about nothingness. The best way to remember it is just try to think about what life was like before you existed, and assume that that will be your future forever. It's still terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what I've been interested is like imagine like your furthest back memory and then imagine even further back. Yeah, go back <laughs> to the void yeah go back to, to the, the void the abyss i mean yeah, the abyss that you're like stuck in and i guess that is peaceful because i i genuinely think death is a peaceful experience right but yeah but like you're just like if you're not ready yeah, to go boom. that's not good that's not good, yeah. That's yeah. Not good. but yeah i mean i mean woe to those who, who think that i mean you guys are definitely brave but i yeah i just personally have to believe i feel like there's such a fundamental and i feel like that's also a characteristic of humans um and that's why i feel like there's a rarity of people who believe that nothingness happens after you die Mm -hmm. and a majority believe in something after death is because i feel like we're wired to have some type of construct of belief Mm -hmm. because we just can't have this idea that it turns into nothing you know but yeah that's where i'm at with that Nice. Right. Right. On. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, wow. Forty-three minutes today, baby. Let's go. We got it. Another amazing episode of Transcending Tuesday brought to you okay. by us. Because awesome. we have no yeah. sponsors yet. No. <laughs> We're getting there. Can we get DiGiorno? Can we get DiGiorno? We have our first pizza every week. <laughs> or Papa John's. Or Papa John's. Yeah. Or Papa John's. Um but anyway. If you like this video, please just 
Video. Com- <laughs> video. Wait, hold on. Podcast. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, podcast. If you like this podcast, just feel free to share it. Feel free to post about it on your story and just spread it out. Um, yeah, we'd love a lot more engagement. We'd love we'll more engagement. That'd be great. We've been and hearing feedback that people like to hear what we're saying. Yeah, we've so been hearing a lot of great if feedback. If other people would like to hear what we're saying, then let them hear. Let them know. So, let them okay. know so they can come. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, let's yeah. make a community. Let's make a community. No, for real, <laughs> honestly. Um, but anyway, yeah, feel free to do that. That'd be much appreciated on the level. And also, feel free to just comment stuff on the podcast itself, like whatever you're listening on. Just feel free to comment. We'll more than likely comment back. Um, and then again, remember to just DM me. Uh, all my socials are on Spotify. And all the platforms, so you can see where to DM me. If you guys want to hear anything specific, any any topic specifically, um, but then yeah, another amazing episode. Thank you guys for tuning in to Transcending Tuesdays, and with that, we are off.